0: Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Bill, and I'm here with Steve, and that means this must be the Field Guides. Each episode we get you out into the field and we share with you everything we've learned about a natural history topic. So Steve, how are you doing this week? Oh, good. Yeah. But that (laughs) intro just reminded me of what we're not going to be doing this episode. This episode, we're going to be talking about something that's a little different for us, right? The
1: 2016 presidential (laughs) election.
0: We figured it was time.
1: (laughs) No, no, we're not doing that. Thank God we're not talking about that.
0: We're a little nervous about this one because this is somewhat of a controversial
1: topic. You're really afraid to say it, aren't you? (laughs) You know, we're not... Okay. Today, we're talking about veganism, more or less. (laughs) And we're not trying to talk about anything controversial. Actually, maybe we can talk about right now what we won't be talking about. At okay. least, I wasn't planning on talking about it, and I'm not. I don't think we're really interested in talking about like the the ethics right. of, because of animal
0: suffering or anything else like that. Because most people, if, the, if they're eating a plant-based diet or thinking about it, they're doing it for one of three reasons. Yes. A combination of reasons. There could be a combination of reasons, and that would be for animal rights because they're concerned about treatment of animals. Right. Maybe they're concerned about the environmental impact of their diet or Mm -hmm. maybe they're concerned about their health. And today, because we want to keep this within a reasonable amount of time, we are going to be focusing on the environmental aspects Uh of eating a more or completely plant-based diet. And you, I know, did some research on health and I did too because it came up. Yeah, just a little bit. A lot of studies, it's linked. But as you said, we're not going to be focusing on the animal rights so much that's I feel a a whole nother topic and one that's worth talking about oh yeah if people
1: want us to we can try to delve into the philosophy of it (laughs) all but that's not exactly what we do on the
0: podcast but you know this is uh, a an ecology podcast more or less you know this is something new for us so I I know last night uh, I was talking to my wife about it and I figured you know what I need to take take a break yeah because I was prepping 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 for the past few days so I watched the new x-men and (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Not good. So what does Professor Xavier have to say about it? <laughs> nothing, nothing. But uh, anyway.
1: You know what, though? Um, I, so there is one little thing that I want to add in. I've recently become aware of a problem with the podcast. So, and this is something that I noticed in some of the early episodes where someone was like, oh, I don't see any video to this and whatnot. Sure. Of course, when you're watching the podcast, or sorry, when you're listening to the podcast, You know, you can hear the nature sounds around. Unfortunately, you can hear cars in the background of this one, (laughs) because we're actually at UB's Letchworth Woods. University Uh,
0: of Buffalo's Letchworth Woods. Right. (laughs) Thank
1: you. (laughs) UB is sort of meaningless to a lot of people. Um, And uh, so you can hear, you know, the sounds of nature going on around us, and Bill and I generally you know describe what we're seeing around us but you don't know what we look like right Right. (laughs) so so I thought that maybe just very briefly especially for this episode because there's not really any descriptive things we can talk about I I just wanted to do a quick description so with Bill I've already explained this in other episodes uh, he always dresses in different costumes so (laughs) you know he's a bear for episode three he was a I don't know partridge for episode four whatever we did he was a hipster for the multi floor rose episode (laughs) Little little plant joke for uh, you right I there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And this episode, he's dressed like a vegan. So, I mean, that's pretty self-explanatory, I think. But for me, I, I think the easiest way to do it is to just go to IMDb's top 100 most handsome men in the world. And you'll see a picture of me. <laughs> well, no, no, no. And, and I would say that I'm a, I'm a pretty decent mix between the, the top two on the list. So, yeah, the Taiwanese-born Canadian model and actor, Godfrey Gao. And then uh, the Australian actor, Chris Hemsworth. So, I mean, if you just mix, like, those two together, that's about what I look like. So, I mean...
0: No comment here.
1: All right, so now on to the episode. (laughs) Now that you have a nice picture in your head of who's talking to you...
0: A guy who looks like a vegan and a supermodel. Uh. I was not expecting that. I like that little aside there. Oh, uh, yeah. So. <laughs> All right. So I think since we've already said this is going to be a little bit of a different episode, Yeah. I'm hoping that that people that in the past may have been turned off by talk of veganism or vegetarianism or whatever uh, will give us the chance to listen. I'm planning in this episode not to tell anybody what they should eat. Uh, I don't want to tell anybody what they, they should be doing, although part of me might want to. Sure, uh, I'm, sure. I'm going to try to keep this, you know, approachable. And, I think
1: and you, a quote from a previous episode is that you had said, we're not preachy.
0: What? You know? <laughs> <laughs> I try not to.
1: That, that's when I uh, revealed that you're a vegan in that's a pre- right, previous, right. previous you,
0: episode. You put me out of the closet. <laughs> uh, the vegan closet. Yeah, so, yeah. what I'm hoping to do is show people what they could do if they want to uh, reduce their environmental impact. Right. and And
1: I don't want this to be suggestive in any way, but... Thinking back on some of our previous episodes, remember, think back to the uh, leaf change episode, the leaf color change episode. We had to conclude with, we don't really know, you know, and this isn't one of those episodes. This is an episode where there's actually pretty clear data Mm -hmm. on the differences between an omnivore diet and a vegetarian diet and a vegan diet and a pescatarian diet. Like, there are significant differences Um, And so it's not really up in the air in that sense. There's other aspects of it that are up in the air. Sure. But the actual data that we'll be talking about for the most part
0: is not in question at all. As we were talking before we we turned on the mic, I was saying to Steve that as I'm doing this research, a lot of the ideas that are the foundation of what we're going to talk about, these are just kind of the basics of ecology. Right. Uh, Some of the basic concepts of ecology. And we're going to be talking about those basics just to kind of bring everybody to the point where, okay, this is what we understand about what we eat and how it impacts the environment. Right. So we're going to be defining terms along the way, I think. I was, going to, I was actually going to suggest that maybe we
1: define terms right now, just sure. to list everything in order, yeah, um, because especially because of the studies that I've talked about. Some of them use some different terms, and I think just getting that out of the way right now sure. would be the easiest way to do it.
0: So let's talk about what is being a vegetarian.
1: Oh, well, how about let's, let's do a progressive diet type okay. of uh, thing. So let's just... Ooh. Red tail hawk. Red tail hawk, yeah. <laughs> the Jamaican <laughs> Well, what what a, the beautio, the Jamaican beautio. That's yeah. right. Um, okay, so now hang on, I think it's sorry. people uh <laughs> Jamaicensis, right?
0: <laughs> that sounds right.
1: But I wonder I I just want to know if that's where it was initially I mean they're all over oh. the place though. So why why did why did Jamaica get the shout out that's there? Or maybe it's something I don't understand. Maybe that has a different Maybe that's someone's name. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. I don't don't know much about it. So either way, before the red-tailed hawk (laughs) rudely interrupted us. (laughs) So let's start with omnivore. So an omnivore is someone who eats animals, animal products, which would be like the dairy and the eggs, um, and the plants. Sure. So the, you know... And I think most people are omnivores. Yeah, most people are omnivores. The vast majority of people are omnivores. Then you have a pescatarian. Right. Um, So that's someone who eats fish... And then animal products like dairy and eggs, like I said, and plants. Right. So they're restricting their meat, they're restricting their
0: animal intake to just fish. Can we back up just a little bit? Sure. Because so, I think it would be instructive to say, well, a vegetarian is someone who eats no meat, mm-hmm. including fish, eggs, uh, chicken, all that stuff. Right. But they will eat eggs and milk. Right. They'll but- eat animal products, things that you don't need to kill the animal for. But that the animal still produces, right? So a, a pescatarian, right. though, is like a vegetarian who says, "Oh, but I will eat fish."
1: Yes. Yes. So they're a pescatarian's the exact same as a vegetarian, but they eat fish. fish. Yeah. yeah. And then there's there's something that uh, one of the papers that I that I talk about does talk about a semi-vegetarian, and they, <laughs> they very sp- very specifically define this as someone is exactly the same as an omnivore. So animals, animal products, and plants, but their animal intake is no greater than one time a week. So instead of meatless Mondays, they're just doing meat Mondays. Meat Mondays. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, so you, we already co- uh, covered vegetarians, so yeah. just animal products and
0: plants. Vegans, only plants. Right. So vegans eat no animal products. No
1: animal products. No eggs, no honey, no dairy.
0: Well, I would say... Well,
1: honey's... honey's
0: debatable. Uh, there yeah, are debatable. some vegans who will eat honey. Right. Uh, some vegans say no. They don't agree with how the bees are treated. Right. So they do not eat that.
1: And then the last one, and this is one that none of my studies actually get into, frugivores. But, but I did want to bring it up because frug- uh, frugivores are somewhat interesting because they don't believe, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but they don't believe in killing plants either. So they're similar to vegetarians where they don't want to kill anything. They're just going to consume what's
0: produced by that thing. Right, so so they're ethics, like vegans who won't kill plants. They're only going to eat the fruits of the plants. Their ethics, and some people may think this is extreme. Uh, I, I would think say compared so. Compared to most people it is. Even it, even extreme compared to vegans in a oh, sense. Oh yeah. Because yeah. so the, their sphere of ethics doesn't just extend to to sentient beings. Right. Uh, so it also extends to plants. Basically anything that's alive mm-hmm. they say well I shouldn't kill that. Um, I will just eat fruit or vegetables from the plant. Right. Rather than kill the plant to get it. To right. To get my food. And
1: a part of me is completely accepting of that. Like I, I can understand <laughs> where they're coming from I can't ever see myself subscribing
0: to that morality. Right. And I think this is where ethics yeah. comes into play is because for me, I'm, I'm a vegan mostly out of uh, sure. environmental environmental standpoint. So to me, coming at it from an ecological point of view, you know, in order for me to survive, I have to ingest something else, another living thing. Right. For me to eat a carrot or um, whatever, a plant that I have to kill, I feel that I'm meeting my vital needs and I feel that's that's acceptable.
1: Well, are are you similar to me where your morality is more based on suffering than anything else? I would say so. Uh,
0: You know, it's tough. I mean mine is Well there's some things that aren't straightforward. True. That true. that lead to indirect suffering. I'm trying to reduce the suffering that my lifestyle causes. Right. I think it's almost impossible to reduce it completely.
1: Right. Whereas a frugivore would go beyond suffering because there's no at least I've never as seen convincing evidence right. that that plants feel pain although that, if you yeah, hang out a lot in comment sections and sure you're... And so like there's, <laughs> there's actually some studies there's lots of debate <laughs> yes. I, I'm and I'm not making fun of those people maybe someday you know we're often wrong in right. science and, and and the future will sort of parse those things out what are true and what are not but um, as
0: far as we can tell right now. As far
1: now, as we can tell right now, there's no good reason to think that. Th- you know, plants can have chemical re- you know, chemical responses to injury to and injury. stress, but... but
0: th- as far as we can tell, they have no central nervous system <laughs> that can feel pain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Uh, are we done defining? Wow, we are tiptoeing. Okay, yeah.
1: <laughs> Maybe we should get right into it then.
0: All right, so we define vegetarian, we define vegan, we define omnivore. And yep. we should say, those are by no means all of the labels that have been stuck on right. different diet choices and
1: for the most part i'm going to limit what i talk about to the united states though okay. i do i do have one study from overseas but i just wanted to go to a quick 2012 gallup poll now this was not the biggest gallup poll in the world um but they they determined that five percent of american adults um in, this is back in 2012 said that they were vegetarian And I did a back-of-the-envelope calculation for that. So uh, that's uh, 314.1 million people. That's a total population in 2012 in the United States. Um, So that makes uh, 15.7 million vegetarians in 2012. And they said that's down from 6% in 2001 and 1999. Um, And back then, uh, uh, 285 million was the total population of the U.S., which would leave us with 17.1 million vegetarians. Uh, And then if we go back to uh, 1999 that's 2079 million and that's only 16.74 million vegetarians and so like I said this is a back of the envelope calculation and it does not match up with what the vegetarian times reported and that was a more recent study but uh, I do want to say with that Gallup poll they said two percent of adults said that they're vegan okay and they don't like to put themselves under the umbrella of vegetarian uh, vegetarianism all the time So some of the people that said no to being a vegetarian Uh. were actually vegans. And so, and again, another uh, back-of-the-envelope calculation, that would would make in 2012 6.28 million vegans. So it's still a lot, but that does not line up with the study that the Vegetarian Times did. And they actually showed that only 3.2% of U.S. adults, uh, or 7.3 million people, follow a vegetarian based diet. And then they said uh, approximately 0.5% or just 1 million of those are vegans. Oh, okay. So that's way lower than what the Gallup poll showed. Uh, but I mean, you would think that, and I hate to say it, but you think that the vegetarian times would be would, higher. R- w- right. Would Well, or maybe not. Maybe I'm thinking, maybe it's the exact opposite of what I'm thinking. Yeah, I'm just saying would, it seems un, right. You would want to think that they would want people to think they're more popular than they actually right. are. <laughs> uh, or they're like, look at us, we're we really truly are the minority. You know, and, oh, right.
0: I didn't think of it that way.
1: No matter what, it's low. Compared you know?
0: to the population as a whole.
1: Right. Yeah. It's incredibly low. And I just want to get that out of the way. So let's I would say let's go with the vegetarian times numbers and just assume that it's three point two percent of the US population okay. and just seven point three million people. So, you know, and that's less than half of what my back of the envelope calculation for the Gallup poll was so i i think we would be safer to go with that number all right yeah 7.3
0: well i want to talk about now the basic concepts of ecology Mm -hmm. that form the foundation of why a plant-based diet or eating fewer animal products is better for the environment so first we're going to talk about trophic level sure and for the listeners out there that may not understand trophic levels or be familiar with them let's talk about a food chain Mm -hmm. because i think that's the simplest way to describe it everyone's seen an image or heard a description of a food chain where you have something small getting eaten by something larger and something larger on and on right yeah so the different levels of that food chain those are trophic levels so when organisms feed on one another matter and energy move from one level to the other Mm -hmm. and the basis of all of our food chains and food webs is plants plants yeah, so, sunlight. Sun, well, <laughs> Yes. Yeah, we're talking about organisms. Though. Yeah. The organisms that form the basis of all of our food webs, really all of our ecosystems. Right. Is plants. If you want to read a great description of how important plants are, did you ever read the description in John Eastman's book of Forest and Thicket? It just talks well, about... Well, how... it's been so long. <laughs> yeah, you probably read a long time ago. But sure. But th- he says that plants are the power base for all of our ecosystems. So whatever you're doing, stop and thank a plant.
1: Oh, unless you're a chemo-autotroph, deep down in the ocean or something. <laughs> All right, Steve's showing up. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm just saying.
0: <laughs> All right, so... We, we
1: can't rely on sunlight for everything. Let's right?
0: define that, that term, though. Let's define autotroph. What is an
1: autotroph? Something that produces
0: its own energy or doesn't have to consume other living things okay. to get their energy. So, troph in trophic level and in an autotroph, that comes from the Greek trophos, which means to be nourished or something that nourishes. So, we're talking about food. Mm-hmm. Um, so, an autotroph is a self-feeder. Yep, so auto. you've got a plant, yeah. chemotrophs, some down in the ocean... Chemical reactions that, right. from deep ocean vents. So, here terrestrially, we have the producers, which are the autotrophs, the cell feeders, those are the plants. In the ocean, uh, we have the phytoplankton, mm-hmm. or in aquatic environments, we have the phytoplankton, which can include algae or cyanobacteria. Sure. Um, they're creating that power base. So, those are their producers, they are the, the bottom layer, the bottom trophic level. Right, And then up above them... They're getting their power from space. (laughs) That's right. right. From the sun, as Steve pointed out. So then up above them, up above the producers, you have the consumers. So think about some kind of grass or green plant in in your yard or in this woods. It's being fed upon by, let's say, a grasshopper. Sure. So you have a consumer feeding on a producer. And that consumer is at the second trophic level. They're a primary consumer. Mm -hmm. If you have a rodent feeding on that grasshopper they're a secondary consumer. And then if you have a hawk feeding on that rodent, they're a tertiary consumer. Right. Um, and they're typically at the highest trophic Yeah, we level. usually think of trophic levels or, you know, trophic interactions being
1: between like four levels or three, four levels, right. more, more, more or less. Right.
0: For us, you could think of grass being eaten by a cow. The mm-hmm. cow is the primary ruminant. consumer, right. ruminant. Yeah. And then people are eating the cow. We're the secondary consumer. Right. Right. Now, there's also uh, another level, the detritivores and the decomposers, sure. um, which are breaking stuff down, but typically they're dealing with stuff that we're not dealing with, or our food waste, you could say. So that leads us to what well, we understand trophic levels. So it goes from plants to
1: primary consumers, secondary consumers, tertiary consumers, right. quaternary, <laughs> whatever <laughs> else. Comes to... Whatever the fourth one. Right?
0: <laughs> whatever the fifth one is, too. I don't I have no <laughs> idea if there is. have to look that up yeah yeah (laughs) at each of these trophic levels organisms are using energy and most of the energy is given off as heat so only a small portion of the energy moves up from one trophic level to the next right Mm -hmm. have you ever heard what percentage of energy
1: you know i i even took a class on this and i can't remember if the teacher said that it was true
0: or (laughs) untrue that it was like ten percent or five percent the general rule is only 10% of the energy at one trophic level is moving up to the next. So sure. all the plants in this forest around us, only 10% of their energy is being transferred up to right. the consumer level. Right and Now that's, I should say, that is a very general figure. And depending on your ecosystem that you're in, or the levels that you're at, right. it may be different. But the big picture here is that only a small fraction of the energy moves up.
1: Right. So it might be safe to say then, that let's say if we're talking about primary producers... And then the primary consumer only gets 10% of the producer's energy. Right. And then the secondary consumer only gets 10% of that 10%. So it's right. It's one hundredth. Much, a, much smaller.
0: Right. But yeah. wouldn't
1: that be, I mean, if we're using this number. Right.
0: It's yeah, one one hundredth of the energy that the producer, the primary producer created. Right. Yeah. So that bottom level. So this rule holds for numbers of organisms as well. The higher up you go in trophic levels, the fewer organisms you're going to have. So if you're looking at, again, if you're looking at that hawk at mm-hmm. the top, he's going to need so many rodents to keep him alive. Right. And that those rodents are going to need even more grasshoppers to keep them alive. And those grasshoppers are going to need way more plants to keep them alive.
1: So usually you think of a triangle? A pyramid. A, yeah, a pyramid where right. the, the most is on the bottom. That's not totally true all the time. True. There is inverted triangles like in coral reef, like very healthy coral reef systems where there's actually more in the way of... Shark biomass, or you know, just organisms sure. that grow slowly, and, and it's just that the primary producers are growing and being consumed so fast that they're always kept at a low level. And usually, in, in one of those environments, let's say if you have a ton of primary producers and very few fish and sharks and whatnot, that means it's probably a very unhealthy ecosystem, and you've done a, a bit of a change in terms of the the organisms that find themselves there. So it it's, it's very complicated. So don't yeah, don't call me out in the comments for that one. But but generally you can you speaking.
0: can have inverted triangles, sure, there, sure. There, pyramids. Yeah. And generally speaking, especially dealing with the foods that humans ingest, you have that triangle shape where there's way more producers. So biomass, which is the collective mass of living matter, decreases as you go up the trophic levels. So when we eat animal products, we use up far more energy per calorie than we gain when we eat plant products because a lot more has gone into it so if you're eating let's say a pound of cow the energy and the biomass that went into producing that pound of cow includes everything that the cow ingested but if you eat just a pound of plants that's going to have taken much fewer resources much less energy to produce than that pound of cow all right so i want to share a study that illustrates what i was just talking about but why don't we walk a little first yeah sure okay this year, in 2016, there was a study in environmental scientific technology that looked at land use in, in compares comparing lots of different diets. And they said vegan diets average 10% of the land requirements of beef diets. So they really just looked at the standard American diet that includes a lot of beef. And a vegan diet only had 4% of the greenhouse gas emissions compared to a diet that includes beef. So that's for a vegan diet, a vegetarian diet, is usually going to require less land than one that includes beef or chicken, something like that, but it does vary. I actually found a study from the environmental and energy
1: system studies from 2014. And I'll just lay a couple things out that I don't think we directly said yet. They were talking about global food production. So this is on a global scale. And that actually uses just about 30% of the total anthropogenic greenhouse gas emissions. So those are human-caused anthropogenic. anthropogenic. yeah. Yeah. And it also utilizes more than a third of the world's land surface. Did you find anything like that? Because that's a gigantic amount. It's a crazy amount. And they concluded with uh, that vegan and vegetarian diets provided the largest potential for reducing greenhouse gas emissions from the diet. And these two diets, in terms of how much they reduced uh, the, the greenhouse gas emissions, they were followed by... Scenarios of replacing ruminant meat by pork and poultry. So um, ruminant and
0: meat would be... So ruminant meat is meat. like
1: cattle, sheep, yeah. goats, buffalo, deer, elk, giraffes, and camels. So if you're eating <laughs> camels... Uh, what are you doing? How about this? Don't eat camels. Let's let's just take <laughs> camels off the table. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but what ruminant actually means is that instead of one compartment in their stomach, there's four. Uh, humans only have one. Pigs only have one. Uh, poultry, uh, you know... Squirrels. <laughs> poultry, a.k.a. squirrels. <laughs> no, poultry. Uh, <laughs> squirrels in addition to poultry. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. And, and actually that largest section of the stomach, the largest of the four sections, is called the rumen. And that's where they get their name from, ruminant. That's why they can eat stuff like grass.
0: Yes. That we it, cannot.
1: <laughs> right, right. And then this study also went into land use demand, which I, which exactly what Bill was talking about. But they actually they broke it down from changing from one diet to the other diet. But they did a lot of different types of examples. So if you switch to a vegan diet from a meat-eating diet, the reduction to the land use would be 50 to 60 percent, which is nuts. And then the vegetarian diet, it's only 30 to 50 percent. Still a lot. But in terms of greenhouse gas, it's, it's not very much different. So if you switch oh. to a vegan diet, the reduction of the greenhouse gas is 25 to 55 percent. Because there's different types of meat diet out there. Right. Um, but if you're switching to a vegetarian diet from a meat diet, it's 20 to 55%. So that's not much. It's either 25 to 55 or 20
0: to 55, and I depending think... on it's vegan or vegetarian. But that's still a gigantic <laughs> reduction. <laughs> uh, reduction, right. And I think it's important to say that in all the studies that I came across, and I'm sure the ones you came across, mm-hmm. the numbers are going to vary. Yeah. in you know, the percentage of land use that's saved or the water that's saved. But generally speaking, if you're reducing the amount of animal products in your diet, you are reducing your impact. Oh, absolutely. The, the more animal products you take out of your diet, the the greater the reduction will be. So there is one thing I do want to say, since
1: we're trying to be completely fair yeah. in the studies that we're looking at. Um, you know, we're, we're not just trying to talk people into being vegetarians no. or vegans, though. In my hey. own personal case, I, I think that it, it's a good idea. But in this study, they also looked at ruminant meat, so cow or yes. cam, camel meat specifically. Um, if you <laughs> cattle, let's just say cattle, <laughs> um, if ruminant meat is replaced by monogastric meat, so uh, poultry, pork, guess how much it's reduced by? Remember, oh, it's, so so they're uh, taking out beef. Right, so we're taking out beef and we're replacing it with pork and chicken, let's say. Uh, um, 40%. Uh, well, <laughs> you, wow, you, I, I didn't think you'd go that high, but it's 20 to 35%, but still 35%? That's right. a lot. That's yeah. a huge, that's, I mean, and just, just switching the type of meat
0: that you're mostly consuming is incredible. While I was waiting for you to finish talking, this is what I was thinking. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> that of all the studies I've read, you know, in the past and just prepping for this episode, beef has a huge impact. And if you don't wanna go vegetarian, if you don't wanna go vegan, and you wanna reduce your impact, consider replacing beef. There was a, a study that I read, and it's one that I've brought up many times talking to people about diet. This was the only study I could find that looked at the impact of your food and relating it to like food miles. Oh uh, yeah. And greenhouse gash, like how far does your, your food travel? And they said, you know, what's better, eating local or cutting meat out? They said, if you cut out beef, Just beef, one day a week, it would have a greater impact than if you ate all your food local. Holy cow. Yeah, Yeah, that's how much environmental impact beef production has.
1: Or is that just the sorry state of what (laughs) is normalized now? Right, right. Oh no, I started sounding like uh, someone who thinks
0: he's better than everyone else. (laughs) No, no, no. That's why I want to keep saying it. And if we have anybody who's vegan out there that's listening, they may be upset by this. But I don't think everybody needs to go vegan. I don't think everybody needs to go vegetarian. If Mm -hmm. we want to fight climate change and and save habitat, it'd be great if people did that, but I'm kind of a realist, and I can't see that happening anytime soon. If people just reduce the amount, especially of beef that they eat, the impact can be huge. And like As you said, right now we're only looking at a small percentage of the population that's vegan or vegetarian. If we double that and then... A large proportion of the rest of people reduce their beef consumption. So that could have a huge impact.
1: There is one really important thing that I want to bring up. So while we were looking at greenhouse gases just a minute ago. Yeah. And while it is true that replacing a diet that's mostly eating cattle, you replace that with poultry or pork. Sure, that could potentially reduce your greenhouse gas emissions Mm -hmm. more than a vegan or vegetarian diet because remember the vegan or vegetarian diet is only 25 to 55 percent and 20 to 55 percent so technically you could reduce it more we we had just said that so it could reduce it let's say the vegan diet everyone does it in such a way where it only gets to that 25 percent reduction
0: and then let's say oh but by removing beef it could have a bigger reduction
1: Yes, by, by only removing beef, it's possible if you do it in the right way that you could reduce your greenhouse gas emissions by 35%. Hmm,
0: that's curious.
1: It, so it, it's possible, it's possible to do it, but... I think, go ahead. Uh, I'm just saying those two percentages of
0: greenhouse gas emissions, they do overlap in the amount that they can be reduced. Okay, because I would say, you know, different studies that I looked at, just cutting out beef wouldn't have as big of an impact as going vegan. Okay. Maybe well, there was some overlap with the vegetarian,
1: so, this, the-, the
0: study that I was looking
1: at was somewhat of a meta-study. So, it looked at yeah. a number of different scenarios and different research that has been done. Okay. And so, like I said before, they had to give ranges because there's different types of meat diets and there's different types sure. of vegan vegetarian diets, depending on what you're eating. And-, and so, that's why they gave the ranges. And that was just
0: looking at greenhouse gas emissions.
1: Right. That's- well, and, and this is what I was trying to point out, was that even though replacing eating cattle with, with pork and uh, poultry, even though it has the potential to reduce your greenhouse gas emissions more than some vegan, not all vegans, but some vegans. It's not settled as to how much uh, land use would be reduced by switching from one meat diet to the next. So that's not something that is looked at as much, but very much unlikely to be as much as a vegan or vegetarian
0: diet. So I think this is a good point where I can talk about eco-footprints or ecological footprints. So besides stimulating our, our population, industrialization, it really increased the amount of resources each of us consumes. So by you know mining all of our energy resources, manufacturing more goods, we've enhanced the quality of life for lots of people on this planet. But we've also consumed way more of our planet's limited resources. So back in the 1990s, some environmental scientists were trying to figure out a way to quantify this. And they came up with the concept of the ecological footprint or the eco footprint. And that measures how much land and water a person or a population uses once all the direct and indirect impacts are totaled up. So, Right now, we are using 50% more of the planet's renewable resources than are available on a sustainable basis. And notice I said renewable resources. Sure. So things like timber, we're using those resources up faster than the planet can reproduce them. So think of it another way. It would take one and a half years for the planet to regenerate the renewable resources that we use in a year. Oh, yeah. It's like we have this bank account of resources, and instead of living off of the interest, we're dipping into the principal. Sure. Now, it should be said that any calculation like this that involves a very complicated issue, it's very hard to boil it down to a single number. There are a lot of researchers that have said that have criticized the way ecological footprints are calculated. But again, if you kind of take a step back and look at the big picture, it's trying to give you a general idea of the amount of your impact. So the group is the the Global Footprint Network that uh, looks at these numbers. They have a great website. If you go to footprintnetwork.org, you can look at ecological footprints of different countries. You can even calculate your own. And one thing that has come out of their research, even if you argue with the finite numbers, well, maybe it's a little higher, maybe it's a little lower. One thing that they've seen and it's obvious is that developed countries, the wealthier countries, their footprints are a lot larger than the developing countries. We consume a lot more. So do you know what the Earth's, I'm sorry, uh, the United States' eco footprint is? I don't, no. It depends on you know which website you're looking at, the Global Footprint Network, they change it year to year. But mm-hmm. the last time I looked, if everyone lived the way the typical American does, yeah. we would need five Earths to oh, sustain wow. us. If you take into account everybody on the planet, mm-hmm. right now, as I said, it's it's one and a half because yeah. we're using those resources one and a half times faster. That's So that's including all the developing countries where a lot of people are living in such poverty that their footprints are really, really small. And we're not saying that everybody should live in poverty sure but we're saying that we need to live in a sustainable way
1: i have some numbers on comparing meat eaters to vegetarians
0: okay go ahead in terms of their carbon footprint okay now now hang on sure because you said carbon footprint okay before you do that i'd say within the past 10 or 15 years you've heard people talking less about ecological footprints and talking more about carbon footprints okay yeah so eco footprints those look at how much land and water does it take to support a lifestyle but okay. carbon footprint is just looking at how much CO two is produced, right? And why do we care about that? Uh, <laughs> Hopefully, everybody knows. The um, it's just a theory, all right? But no, no, no. Um, Sorry. Uh, oh my God! I have to punch deep
1: <laughs> Oh! <laughs> uh, so human aided climate change, or, or right. a, a global oh, global warming? Global I don't warming, know what climate change. What's the PC term for climate change right now? <laughs>
0: And CO2, we figure, as far as scientists can tell, that is the greenhouse gas that's contributing the most. And before you you write your letters, dear idiots, uh, (laughs) yes, methane does have more warming capacity, but there's not as much methane in the atmosphere as CO2. Yeah. So as far as we can tell right now, CO2 is the one we want to be looking at the most. All right, so your numbers that deal with...
1: All right. I'm just going to give one quick factoid before I go on with what I'm about to say. Okay. So one of the things that this paper that I was looking at uh, it was actually the uh, Journal of Industrial Ecology in 2014 they published a study and what one of the things they found was that the food the U.S. food losses contribute to about 28 percent of the overall carbon footprint in the United States so it's it's a very large almost a third right so they actually gave sort of a comparison they said this this amount of CO2 is equivalent to 33 million average passenger vehicles annually yeah A couple of the things that they gave was that uh, beef accounts for only 4% of the retail food supply by weight, but it represents about 36% of the diet-related greenhouse gas emissions. So So again, it's just hugely
0: impactful. Huge, huge, yeah. Yeah.
1: The average uh, vegetarian diet, it shows a considerably lower carbon footprint. And so the difference between a carbon footprint uh, of a vegetarian Compared to sort of the typical USDA dietary recommendations, which aren 't necessarily being followed, but it 's what they recommend right. the difference between that and a vegetarian diet thirty percent about thirty percent decrease in the vegetarian that's diet and that 's the recommended USDA <laughs> <laughs> uh, dietary recommendations sure, but that um, does
0: not have environmental impacts factored in
1: sure, sure, yeah. so, uh, but what I thought was interesting, and this is the paper also goes to note that uh, um, the paper goes on to note this is that, just remember what I said before about food losses, about 28% of greenhouse gas emissions in the U.S. are due to food losses. Like just... Wasted food? Just wasted food, yeah. yeah. That's a huge problem as well. Yeah, but just switching, let's say, <laughs> if everyone switched to just a vegetarian diet, we would completely eliminate, in a sense it would sort of cancel out with food loss. Of course, food loss is its own big problem, right. and that's, that's completely a, a different topic, but, but just having all vegetarians, which of course will never happen, that would completely eliminate that loss in a sense. So I just wanted to say that. I thought that was pretty interesting. That is. Yeah.
0: Food, as you said, food loss is a big issue. There was a study I came, in, came across in 2016, again from this year, removing meat and fish uh, reduces environmental impact by 21%, so your eco footprint, And then uh, going vegan reduces it by 30%. Okay, I'm going to have to stop you because I want to know if that difference
1: is based on like a typical U.S. diet or some other specific type of diet to going vegan.
0: So this study, since I said it was from the International Journal. Oh, okay. This was a, a Dutch study. And this looked at the typical Dutch diet, then a... Healthy Dutch diet, and then reducing or removing meat and fish, and then vegan. So they looked at the four, like typical, quote unquote, healthy uh, vegetarian and vegan. So it was healthy? Did they
1: did they define that as maybe like reduced calorie intake, or they did
0: like less less reduced calorie, less sugar, all that kind of stuff. Okay. And they found that eating healthy does reduce it slightly, but not much, because they were trying to answer the question: Can you just eat healthy, and will that reduce your environmental impact? And okay. the results of the study basically said, if you do eat healthy, the, the results are not that significant. But okay. if people vegetarian or vegan, they're they are significant. All right. What I was going to say before you cut me off. Sorry. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> Had to clarify. You know, I, I very rarely get to have you clarify something. <laughs> that's true. It's usually
1: the other way around.
0: <laughs> A lot of people are going to be sitting in their their cars or wherever they're listening to this right now and say, yeah, but being vegan is unhealthy, right? Oh yeah. Right. So I, I feel we do have Where to do address it. Where do you get the... your protein? <laughs> And the study that I was just referring, i got to punch you again. No! (laughs) For the the protein question. That Dutch study I was just talking about, one thing they did say is that people in the study, when they did transition to a vegan diet, some of them were not meeting the standard health requirements of the Dutch government. Okay. I think we should say that the only thing that you're not getting in a vegan diet that you won't get from a vegan diet is what? Oh, B12. B12. It's the only thing that you cannot get from eating just a plant-based diet. Yeah. But you can supplement that. But besides B12, as long as you're eating a varied diet and you're not eating junk food, you can get all the nutrients you need from a vegan diet. Now, if you're making a huge transition from eating, you know, a standard American diet, meat and potatoes, very little fruit and vegetables, and you don't know, you know, a lot about cooking vegan or cooking vegetarian, it can be it can be challenging, yeah. I will say. A lot of people say, oh, going to vegan is easy. It's no problem. Right. I would have to say, realistically speaking, you have to teach yourself how to cook a variety of foods. And yes, it is entirely possible and relatively easy to get all your protein requirements when you're eating vegan. So it's a myth that you're not going to get protein. You know, a lot of people have this image in their head of vegans being sickly and pale. But really in in Western cultures, the problems with our diets are problems of excess. When you hear people getting sick, it's because they're getting... Too much fat or too much sugar or too much whatever. And I would say that there, as far as tackling a vegan or vegetarian diet, you got to do some homework. But the great thing now is there are so many websites out there. And we'll talk about some. I have some resources we'll share with people at the end. Sure. There's a lot of um, information out there to help you.
1: So I do want to say one thing about the health aspect. Yeah, go for it. This is actually the, the last major study that I have. In the journal Nutrients, there was a study from some researchers in Belgium They looked at many different diets, and they were trying to compare them using various indices for health. They actually found that, and I'm just really going to focus on the the vegan diet here, but the vegan diet, which is the most restricted, obviously, it had the lowest energy intake. It had better fat intake profiles. It had the lowest protein. So on average, generally, you are getting less protein. Sure. Sure. But then again, that, you know, that's just something you have to be careful about. Uh, not everyone's the greatest dietitian for themselves in the world. Right. But it also had the highest dietary fiber intake. Contrast to the omnivorous diet, which had the lowest. The calcium intake was the lowest. Um, and that was actually below the national dietary recommendations. The highest... The calcium was below? The, cal- the calcium was below, yeah. Okay. So despite the calcium and despite the protein, it still had the highest healthy eating index for 2010... Uh, had the highest values, and that's contrast to the omnivorous diet, which was the lowest. So even though there are some deficiencies,
0: overall, as a diet, it's still the healthiest. Right. You're, so you're less likely to have heart disease. And, you know, and And my point was that in order to eat a healthy vegan diet, right. you just kind of need to, to pay attention to what you're eating. But you could say that about any diet. Right, exactly. <laughs> if, if you want to eat healthy, you need to pay right. attention
1: to what you're eating. Right, so, yeah, for example, like, I'm a vegetarian. I'm not a very healthy person. Like, I have to be, like in a good career i, I guess know. to
0: be have you been to the mall
1: well, well <laughs> regardless <laughs> you can gain weight and be a a, a fatty <laughs> on a, on a nice. vegetarian diet though <laughs> no well, i'm saying i have more fat i'm sure. a little fatty right there. what's what's there's nothing offensive about that come you're, on <laughs> you're pleasantly <laughs> chris, Unhel- Hel-
0: chris hemsworth plus 20 pounds there you go that's what it is <laughs> but there's ways you can eat vegan very unhealthy yeah. Right? There's lots of vegan junk food. There's lots of vegetarian is junk food. Ore-
1: are Oreos vegan? Are Ore- Oreos are vegan. All day, every day.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Double stuffed, baby. is <laughs> and almond milk. Yeah. <laughs> I think the bottom line is no matter what diet you're eating, if you're concerned about health, you've got to pay attention to what you're eating. Mm-hmm. Right? All right. Another question I had. When sure. you look at studies i tried for this episode i tried really hard using google scholar and i have access to university libraries i tried to find studies that said vegan or vegetarian diets don't have a lower environmental impact i couldn't find any now if people out there if they can find some please send those cuz i would like to look those over right. but beyond individual studies it's non intuitive though you know what i'm saying like, right that's why we presented I, the basic ecology right. concepts. Yeah, yeah when
1: you think about trophic levels when you think yeah. of let's just let's just even ignore the fancy language of trophic levels right if you're thinking about growing plants to feed to animals to eat the animals versus just growing the plants to eat the plants of course you're going to be growing more right. of course you're using right. more land of course you know and so the vegetarian vegan diet just Based on common sense, if you think about it like that. And of course, maybe you could say, oh, the type of food that we feed to animals takes up less room than the food that humans would eat or something. (laughs) But, you know, and there are specifics that go into that. But generally, you have to imagine (laughs) that, that just eating the plants instead of eating the animals that eat the plants is more efficient is, is going to be more efficient yeah
0: and there are studies out there that have, have come out and been reported in a way where it muddies the waters yeah like i remember a few months but that's ago,
1: important it's important to get results that don't well these also could be anti <laughs> you know they, they could be a little biased in some way or another where they're trying to get a certain result but right. you don't have to be to get a result that you don't like you know <laughs> like you you could be the the biggest vegan in the world and do research to f- and find out that being a vegan isn't As perfect as you thought it was. And that's awesome. Like, that's what science does. It tries to take out the bias. It tries to make it as objective as possible.
0: What does the data say? Yeah, exactly. But the way that, that studies are often reported, like this one that came out a few months ago, where a researcher looked at the water required to generate a calorie of energy. Mm-hmm. in different foods and his study or this team study found that it takes more water to produce a calorie of lettuce than it does to produce a calorie of bacon so when the media reported this and i hate just to say that the media but when i saw it reported on the internet or You're so video clips, <laughs> uh, they said oh bacon is better for the environment than salad take that vegetarians yeah and I'm, i'm thinking hold on no one is replacing bacon with salad if you're trying to get calories you're not going to replace one for the other sure plus they were just looking at water impact right they were not looking at how much food and what was the environmental impact of the food that went into that pig to make that bacon so the way that story was reported was was misleading i do want to say
1: though that that some people may actually be thinking that as they're listening to this episode okay sure yeah less you know less resource use and all that to grow vegetables and whatnot but like don't you have to eat a lot more vegetables and there was a paper that I was reading that did go on into that they broke up greenhouse gas emissions based on waste based on calorie sure, sure. and and based on overall biomass I think it was I think those were the three that they separated it by okay. and even still the the vegetarian and vegan diets made more sense or they broke it up by food items
0: so yes like sure. by the, the vegetable and, and whatnot we're still better Uh, at the end of the day and a lot of the studies that i'm referencing in this podcast i did look at that are they just looking at are they looking at calories or you know what are they looking at and they did include you know total life cycle and we always we always include the the studies that we looked in in our
1: uh, bibliography at the end of you know in the description of every podcast so So that'll be uh, (gasps) on the website man, what what did you lead us into? I (laughs) I don't think you were leading necessarily, but...
0: We've come out to the road here. Yeah, we don't want to go that way. way. (laughs) So I've been talking to some people about uh, us recording this episode, and I got into a discussion with one friend who said, you know, this is all well and good to get individual people to change their diets, but isn't it more important to get elected leaders that are going to make changes in how food is produced and environmental policies and... And Myers- I mean, at the end of the day, the best change we could have is a dictator
1: that forces everyone to be vegans. Really. Bill 2016, am I right? That's right. That's right, Just, David. My, the, on my first day of office, I will eliminate all other parts of the government except for myself. And hopefully people still listen to me.
0: <laughs> they'll have to <laughs> but my response was yeah. can't we do both yeah of it, course you top up and bottom down right you know exactly I mean? and that's really for me that's that's why i made the changes because i was looking for a way to have an impact a, on a meaningful impact and eating yeah. is something you do every day some of us do it all day and uh, <laughs> every meal is this chance to say hey i'm trying to do something here so there's there's a great book out there i don't remember the author but it's called green greener greenest have you seen this book no so it's basically looking at uh, giving people options, like if you're trying to cut down on electric use in your house, here's kind of a small step you can take to take the green route. Then they give them a more intense way to save even more energy, greener, greenest, so on. Those, anyone that's stuck with us this long through the podcast, <laughs> if you're looking to reduce your environmental impact, I would say the first simple step is to reduce beef consumption. That is just a simple step. Even one day a week, as we said, would be the same as eating all your food locally produced. Just cutting beef out would be a simple step. As little or as much as you can, that'd be great. And then the next step, kind of the greener step, would be try vegetarian one day a week or two days a week or how many days you're comfortable with. And then if you want to really exclude yourself from society the way that I have, uh, you can go (laughs) vegan. Yeah. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Maybe
1: now is a good time.
0: How much more do you have? Not much.
1: No. I'm okay. almost done. Well, okay. Let me, let me just add in an anecdote. I've been a vegetarian for about eight years, maybe a little bit less, but about eight years. And some friends may comment on the podcast, oh, but I've seen him cheat once or twice. <laughs> I haven't cheated in like five years. So, so <laughs> I guess I, I could matter. say I'm a, I'm a... Well, yeah, exactly. Like no, no matter how much I cheat, if I have one sub drunkenly on my birthday <laughs> one year, six, seven years ago... Right, you know what? What's the and it's a chicken, right? Chicken right. finger, right? So,
0: <laughs> I, it's not I, about being
1: perfect. Right. Yeah, it's not about being perfect. It's just overall, generally
0: being aware of what you're eating and its impact. Right. Right. Absolutely. And that's why, on a certain level, I almost don't like those labels, of, oh, like right. vegan, vegetarian, right. because then it feels like, oh, I have to do this or I, I, yeah. you know, I have to. You don't have to do anything. Just do what's right for you, and, and hopefully you'll keep trying to reduce your impact the farther along you All go. All
1: right, now let's do a 10-minute conversation about why categorizing the world is important <laughs> <laughs> or not important. Ready? No. Go. Uh, see, I, I, I'm obsessed with taxonomy, so I like saying, I like having rules. I like, you know, because sometimes it's, e- let's, it's easier if you have a well-defined term and sure. you're like, oh, I'm a vegan. All oh, right. what does that mean? Oh, I just don't eat animal products
0: or animals. Right. So, yeah. it gives, and that's, why when, <laughs> it's people, useful. that's yeah. why when people ask, I say, yeah, I'm vegan. Yeah. But I'm going to create a new one right here, an ecotarian. <laughs> Whoa, you only eat ecosystems. <laughs> no. One ecosystem at a time. You, <laughs> <laughs> you try to eat in a way that reduces your impact. So, for example, I'm a teacher. Every day, at the end of the day, in the faculty room, there's uh-huh. always a ton of junk food. And most of it is going to get thrown out. So at the end of the day, if I see a cupcake sitting on that table, and I know it's going to get thrown out, and I eat it. You're like, I? well, I'm going hiking after work <laughs> anyway, so. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I'm not supporting the dairy industry that produces. Right, you're just reducing dairy. waste. I'm reducing waste, right? So yeah. technically then, if, if the vegan police were there, they would <laughs> yeah. say, you don't get to be vegan. Well, they would take away your psychic power. <laughs> this is true. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't need to be a level five vegan. Is
1: that? <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Uh, take a while to. Oh, Scout Pilgrim versus the world. <laughs> That's right. By the way, nothing to do with nature. Incredible movie. First of all, with Michael Cera, very good movie. But I would say, and, and some people are like, oh, which one's better, the movie or the original okay. comic book? Well, okay, it was more of a graphic novel. Okay, okay sorry. <laughs> Actually, it was like <laughs> really- <laughs> uh, both incredible. Very different, but both incredible. You know what? Let's change the podcast.
0: (laughs) Only talking about Scott Pilgrim. I do have to say, though, that that was the first movie I watched where I realized, this movie is not for me. Oh, really? Because I'm over 40, Uh, and a lot of the references and the way it was filmed. Oh, I loved it. Because you're under 30. Sure, I guess so, So, yeah. Yeah, that movie is... That was the first one where I realized... (laughs) Oh, I'm getting older.
1: Oh, I love how artistic it was and all the video game references. And, I enjoyed uh, it. So
0: good. But it was, it was disconcerting to watch it for me. Sure. <laughs> uh, I don't want that to happen to me. I know it's going to. <laughs> that's where the, the vegan uh, power reference came from. Yes, yeah, yes, yes. Which I thought was hilarious. All right, so that's why from now on, if someone asks, I'm going to say, I'm an ecotarian. Sure. and then I can shout. And no one's really going yeah, to know what you mean. So
1: I have a similar story, and that is, even though I call myself a vegetarian, and this has been years now that I haven't been doing this, yeah. but my, my girlfriend and I like to... Oh, no, I've never said that before. <laughs> this person that I hang out with. Uh, <laughs> so my girlfriend and I uh, often go for sushi, and I always get vegetarian sushi, and she's a pescatarian. So she she just tells people she's a vegetarian, but she also eats fish. But she it's it's very rare that she actually finishes all her sushi so in the past i used to actually eat her sushi but after a while and i don't want this to come off like i'm some jerk boyfriend or something but at after a certain point i was like maybe from now on we should you should order one fish sushi and i'll order one vegetarian sushi and then we'll order one more sushi roll for us to split and just have a vegetarian so she eats one fish one and a half of a vegetarian there one you go. and and she agreed to it, and we were doing it for a long time, and then we kind of stopped going for sushi, you know, as much. But <laughs> but that's what I mean. But, but yeah, I just, I was sick of eating the sushi that she had left over, because I was like, I just don't like doing it. I don't like eating fish. I've sort of acclimated to eating vegetables and fruit and everything else, and I don't really have the taste for fish or any of that stuff anymore, so... It was kind of grossing me out to eat it. I'm not, there's nothing wrong with eating fish. Seafood used to be my favorite food in the world before I switched over to being a vegetarian. But I'm just saying, I loved making it so there was less waste in the world. But after a while, I just had to try to work out a system with her. So.
0: But see, you were also,
1: you were thinking about how can there be less fish on our plate. Because at a certain point, I was like, I'd rather let this go to waste. And I was like, I just can't do that. You know, I don't want to, I don't want, you know, fish to be
0: used for no reason. Just to have them thrown out. Yeah, so. yeah. All right, so... Don't let people tell you that you are a vegan or not a vegan or you are a vegetarian or not a vegetarian. The field guides say as long as you're reducing your impact or if you're interested in reducing your impact, yeah. take those steps. Now, let's talk about resources that, that people can check out. Did you look this up? Or? No. This kind of dawned on <laughs> you. This...
1: So the fieldguidespodcast.com, first of all.
0: <laughs> so go to tryveg.com uh-huh. or chooseveg.com. In both of those websites, you can order or even just get a PDF of a vegetarian starter guide. And two cookbooks that people may want to look into. One is called Vegan with a Vengeance. and there's What also... an aggressive title. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a a blog and a website run by a girl. It's called the Post Punk Kitchen. Uh-huh. She had like a TV show for a while. And, Bill, it's uh... run by a person. It's 2016. <laughs> I can't I believe you You said run by a girl. Oh, geez. Trying to fair. sell it because she's you're right. uh... <laughs> a woman, we're so PC. <laughs> so, so. And then another one is the joy of vegan baking because I know a lot of people when they just imagine baking and not using eggs, dairy or butter, you know, they're just at a loss.
1: Oh, I, I only make my own veggie burgers. Best veggie burgers I've ever made. Like I the, the recipe's always different every time I make them. You no eggs, no anything like. Many times. Yeah, my newest one maybe the best I've ever done. <laughs> Cuz I've been I've been mixing, blending just for time saving. With just chopping things by hand. And so it's like the base of it is like just nice and smooth. And then I still have like big pieces of like onion and pepper. And Well, like, oh, so you good. have to have me over to. Oh. <laughs> now the, the. I recommend all meat eaters make your own veggie burgers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so good. It's a lot cheaper.
1: Right. And that's actually something I wanted to get into before I let you keep going. And it's something that I didn't. I forgot <laughs> to say last time was that. Part of the reason I stayed a vegetarian, sure, there's the ethics and there's everything else, but the reason that I stayed one is actually because of the diversity of what I was eating. You know, oh, I was yeah. sort of like a one-trick pony when it came to eating. It was like pizza, hamburgers, subs, and stuff. So when I switched to this lifestyle, not allowed to have those things anymore. Let's try new things out. And, oh, and, and I it's know it's been the best culinary experience of my right. life for
0: these last eight years or so. And a lot of people have asked me when they find out that, that I'm vegan, they, or when I used to be vegetarian, they'll say, well, what do you eat? Yeah. And I find The most annoying question. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I find a lot of people have a certain number of foods Staples. that they're used to, yeah. and that's what they eat. I talked about how making the transition into vegetarian or vegan is going to require some work to learn how to cook different foods, but it's a totally positive experience. And oh, yeah. I say my wife and I are vegan, but we don't like to put food on, into our mouth unless it tastes really good. Oh, yeah. Because people just imagine, oh, you're eating beans all the time and rice all the time. And we make good food that we really enjoy and it doesn't taste weird it's not strange stuff a lot of it's just everyday foods you're putting together in in new and different ways
1: you know and i do have to say and this is a complete anecdote and i'm not sure if there's really a study on this or anything but back when i did eat meat back when i went to the university at buffalo at least early on some of my favorite parties uh, my friend emily would throw these parties and they would just be these vegan potlucks and they and she'd be like don't bring food we have enough food and and you guys also you're not vegan so you don't know how to make this stuff but um (laughs) But I would go and just unbelievably tasty food, all vegan, all incredible. And if if Emily ever listens to this episode, I don't know if she ever will. If I'm wrong about that, if they weren't vegan, I'm pretty positive, though, that a lot of those people were vegan, and she did say vegan potluck, so I'm pretty positive it was the same every time. And, but, <laughs> and we should say that there's plenty of crappy
0: vegan and vegetarian food out there. Just oh, like it's the
1: same, same, like there's low-quality meat food, right, lo, exactly. uh, low-quality
0: vegetarian food. The, the author of the book I just mentioned, The Joy of Vegan Baking, the author's name is Colleen Patrick Goudreau, and she has a podcast called Food for Thought. oh i think i've heard of that one and her her take is is pretty much all the animal rights angle that's why she's vegan that's what she's all about but she has a great saying that she would say a lot when talking to people about changing their diet don't do nothing because you can't do everything oh yeah and i think that's that's a great viewpoint to take is again we're not telling you what you should do we're saying if you want to reduce your impact this is what you could do you could think
1: about it as working out you can't go to the gym the first day and run 20 miles. You know, you got to sort of slowly work your way there and and just, you know, if you try to do too much at once, you're going to hurt yourself. Exactly. And by hurting yourself, (laughs) I mean, going back to that devilish meat-eating way of life, this... (laughs) Terrorizing the planet. <laughs> the t- those are the real terrorists. Oh no, I don't know oh, if God. I can say that.
0: Oh We're no, we to cut that out. Jeez. <laughs> but really, I would rather people make a partial transition or a gradual transition rather than go hardcore vegan for you know a month or two months and decide right. it's too hard. I
1: can't do it. And sort of to reiterate in what we've already said, we've seen that changing from one diet to the next, even if you're staying within the realm of meat eating, it can have a huge impact. So, oh yeah, right. If that's something that you're interested in, there's a lot of ways to do it, and there's a lot of paths to get there. Yeah. And
0: and just the last thing I'll share is the documentary Cowspiracy. Have you seen that yet? I have not seen okay. it, no. So it's a little extreme in its viewpoint. Um, I feel he stresses a little the... Kind of the conceit of the movie is that he feels there's a conspiracy against environmental organizations not to talk about the huge Mm -hmm. impact that food choices have. Sure. I feel he overplays
1: that a little, but... The conspiracy angle, in my opinion, is never the best angle. No, no. (laughs) Because it definitely scares
0: away a certain type of audience member. But the data he uses, uh, he uses a lot of good data sources. Some of the numbers people have argued with here and there, but again if you step back and take a look at the big picture he's just presenting that fact that look meat production is one of the major causes of deforestation in the amazon sure he says it's the most you know that's what his data says there's other data that says it's one of the most either way it's a it's a huge cause of deforestation on our planet's rainforests right so
1: and uh, and of course like with any documentary don't just take them at their word and oh definitely and definitely don't just take us at our word that's sort of why we Give you some papers in our in our work site I'd definitely read those papers and even read other things that we didn't say and that we didn't reference uh, share it with us we want yeah. to know oh definitely all right we made it oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) that
0: wasn't as bad as i thought it might be
1: okay so that was the episode and we'll be back next time so next month we're trying to keep putting these out month to month i'll admit that i (laughs) i'm a little busier than bill this summer just you know i'm on a tight schedule to get certain things done but but we you know we'll try to keep putting these out constantly consistently i mean and And we're trying uh, to
0: post a little more
1: trying to post more and i think anyone who's who's following us on facebook has maybe seen some more posts from us than usual but and We want to get this information out there. We want to be you know, better recognized by people. And something that Bill and I really want to ask of you guys is that if you're listening to the podcast and you like what we're doing, please give us a five-star review on iTunes. Or any review on iTunes. If you don't like us, find another podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, no. We want constructive criticism. Right.
1: But for, for more people to find the podcast and for us to go up in the charts... It would be nice that if you like us, if you really do like <laughs> us, tell the world that you like us and, and hopefully move us a little bit higher in the charts. So it'd be nice to hit like 25 reviews. That'd Wouldn't be that great. be incredible? That like would be it would great. be many more views than we currently have. <laughs> but, but yeah, it would definitely get our name out there a little bit more for more people to listen and, and then, of course, criticize the show, <laughs> which would be great.
0: Like we, we love feedback. We really want it. And, and it, please tell, have your uh, share the podcast with your friends. Uh, have them like us on Facebook or write a review. You know, spread the word. We want to yeah. get this out to as many people as we can, and we want to thank the people that have given us likes on our posts and on a Facebook page because we just passed 300 likes. Woohoo! 300! <laughs> <300. laughs> I know for some that's, you know, relatively small, but for us... For us, it's huge. Yeah, it's exciting. I've never had 300 of anything. <laughs> Not in my bank account, anyway. <laughs> So thanks, folks. Thanks for listening. Help spread the word. And we will see you next time. See you next time, guys.